Hey, creep. I want to tell you a tale, if you're ready to hear it. It may not be pleasant. It may not end the way you want it to. But this story is gripping and as fascinating as it is shockingly horrifying. Are you ready? My name's Cole, and you're listening to Tales. Christmas has come and gone, but the holidays are not over. Today, as we find ourselves in the midst of the coming of the new year, I would like to thank you. Thank you for almost 200,000 downloads. Thank you for the countless friends I've met. Thank you for joining us on this podcasting journey. I don't want to keep you creeps waiting for today's episode too long. So without further ado, I present to you all a double feature. Creeps, our program today consists of two 911 calls and the stories surrounding them. These stories were posted on our Patreon exclusive show, which, by the way, I'm in the midst of writing a second season of, so keep an eye and an ear out for that. The first feature follows a tragic accident, where the weight of childish consequences tragically obliterates an entire family. And in our second featuring, a young mother does the unthinkable. I'll just leave it at that. Creeps, please enjoy today's episode. 911. 911. 911. Address of your emergency. Where's your emergency? Where's your emergency? Hey, creeps. Welcome to 911 Calls with Cole. Each episode, we will listen to a 911 call and explore the stories and crimes surrounding them. Now, before we get started, check the front door. Is it locked? Okay, good. Now you can relax and sit back as I tell you about the Interstate 80 rock-throwing incident. Driving late at night can be beautiful. It can be relaxing and meditative, but it can also be dangerous. While the yellow street lamps racing by illuminated the beech and oak trees lining I-80, and the shadows ran rhythmically across the car over and over, the Bud family had no idea this road would take them somewhere completely and horribly unexpected. On July 10th, 2014, 19-year-old Kaylee Bud was driving west on Interstate Highway 80 through Pennsylvania on their way to Somerset, Massachusetts for a nice family trip. Kaylee's 53-year-old mother, Sharon, a schoolteacher from Uniontown, Ohio, sat in the passenger seat while her daughter was driving down the dark highway. Sharon was busy FaceTiming her son and Kaylee's brother, Luke, who was preparing to deploy to Afghanistan with the Ohio National Guard. Meanwhile, Kaylee's father was taking a break from driving, relaxing in the backseat while his daughter took over the wheel, trying to refresh his eyes and get a moment's respite from the trials of the road. Three quarters of the Bud family were on their way to Somerset for a nice little trip, but this was also a business trip in regards to Randy's hotel business. And they also had choice tickets to a little-known, not world-changing Broadway performance called Mamma Mia in New York. Maybe you've heard of it? But while the Bud family made their way down the highway, a group of four teenage boys were beginning a night of mischief. 
What else is there to do in rural Pennsylvania, right? The four teenage boys must have gotten tired of playing video games and sneaking a sip of whiskey out of their parents' liquor cabinet because the four young men had lined up an entire evening of chaos. The night started as the boys hooted and hollered, winding each other up as they piled into the car, and shortly thereafter the mayhem started as the boys wound up with a baseball bat, driving past mailboxes, taking aim and swinging, either crumbling the mailboxes or sending them high into the air. The second course of their destructive meal was a side of sending rocks hurtling at parked cars that smashed windows, dented doors, and snapped side mirrors. But that was only child's play. The four teenage boys had planned an entire evening of it. The four horsemen of the suburban apocalypse made their way to a grocery store, and laughing smugly through the aisles under the buzzing fluorescent lights, they stole stakes, which they brought back to the car to sit on the floor while they drove through a field of corn, before heading to a house and then breaking the windows, before finally stopping at a farm to pick up rocks for their next act of teenage defiance. So far, their evening could have mirrored an 80s movie montage scene documenting the acts of a group of unruly and ignorant teenage hillbillies. But they weren't acting in a movie. This was real life. And these four boys were making a horrible decision with horrible consequences. Now, with ample hefty rocks in hand, the band of miscreants traveled to an overpass where they parked their vehicle. An overpass that passed over Interstate Highway 80. I doubt any of them thought anything they did that evening would have long-term consequences. And I also don't think they realized their actions of chaos would have an equal or greater reaction. The four young men exited the vehicle, in the night on the overpass. The halogen lights pouring a cone of light over them, staining their faces, hands, and smiles yellow and sickly. They took the rocks in their hands and began to lob them off the overpass, hoping to strike the cars traveling on the highway below. And as the boys were hurling rocks like seagulls dropping clams on the rocks far below, the Bud family was making their way along Interstate 80. In fact, Sharon had just received a selfie from her son Luke and was feeling the worry of a mother watching her son deploying to Afghanistan. And still seeing the baby she once held in her arms, Sharon began to cry. And that selfie of her son Luke was the last thing Sharon Bud saw before the rock came crashing through the windshield. As Kaylee Bud steered the car and her family down the highway late at night through Pennsylvania, as the shadows raced back and forth, back and forth, over and over, as the warm street lamps skipped and passed by overhead, Shannon teared up missing her son, seeing a selfie he had sent her as he was deploying to Afghanistan. And out of nowhere, Randy Bud from the back seat heard an explosion as glass flew about the car. Randy recoiled at the noise and immediately went into survival mode looking for the source of the sound. And that is when Randy saw the hole the rock left in the windshield. Randy sternly told his daughter to pull over. 
Randy then called 911. Oh my gosh, something right through the windshield. Hi, uh, we're, I'm on the highway, uh, Route 80. Something just came through my windshield and it hit my wife and I think it went right through her head. Oh my God. Can you please get, get, can you get an ambulance where, somewhere? Where, can you sir, track this phone? Where on Interstate 80 are you? Oh, oh my God. What? Are you going east or westbound? Uh, we, we're going uh, uh, west. You're going westbound? I'm sorry, what are you driving, sir? Pardon? What are you driving? What, what, what'd you say, sir? What kind of vehicle are you driving? Oh, we, we are in a... a, a oh, uh, We're in a Rogue, a Nissan Rogue. Pulled off on the left-hand side. This this is bad. Okay, what what is what color is your vehicle? Something came right through the windshield, sir. I understand. What what color is your I, vehicle? I, and you know what, sir? I I cannot hear you. What color is your vehicle? It's black. Okay, do you have the four ways on? Uh, uh hold on here. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, hold on here. Uh, yes, I do now. Okay. There's a big, uh, there's a rock that came in. She is grasping for her life. Okay. What is your name, sir? My name's Randy Bud. The phone number you're. Calling oh my from. God! Her half her brain's gone. Oh my God! Oh my God! Is there anybody else in the car with you? Yes, uh, my daughter. My daughter was driving. We, all of a sudden, there's an explosion. A rock went right through the windshield and hit, and hit her right in the head. Okay, how old's your wife, sir? Pardon, my my wife. My wife is 53. 53. Okay. All right, sir. We're gonna send some help up there to you. Okay. In the meantime, okay, try not to move your wife. Don't you, don't touch anything, and we're gonna get some help for you. Yeah. Okay. We won't touch anything. Did uh? Don't, don't touch anything, mom. Uh. Did uh? So, so you you have us located? Yeah. I I know where you're at. Okay. 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 Thank you. You're welcome. According to one of the four teenage boys after hitting the Bud family vehicle, the boys laughed and cheered. The four teenagers had had their fun. The rocks were gone, the damage had been done, nothing serious though, just enough to frustrate the neighbors the following day. So they went home and watched a movie. But before finishing the movie, perhaps their rational thinking caught up with their actions because the four teenagers went back to the crime scene twice that night to see the aftermath. Or perhaps they weren't simply teenagers making horrible, horrible decisions. Maybe they were also reveling in the chaos they had caused. Luckily, on one of the two trips back to the scene of the crime, police noted the license plate number of the vehicle they drove in. Police and emergency services arrived to quickly rush Sharon Budd from the side of the highway to Geisinger Medical Center, where doctors did all they could, removing a part of her skull in a life-saving operation. The four-and-a-half-pound rock the boys had lobbed off the overpass that fell and collided with the windshield of the Budd family car had crushed Sharon's forehead and the bridge of her nose. 
She lost sight in her right eye, which was later removed, and only had limited vision in her left eye. Doctors replaced the portion of the skull they had removed with a temporary plate. In one instantaneous moment, Sharon received catastrophic brain injuries from the rock that had flown through the windshield. This resulted in the end of her life as she knew it, and their family dynamic. As a mother, Sharon had always cared for her family and looked after them, but now she would need constant care for the rest of her life. After the events that took place on July 10th, 2014, Randy Budd took it upon himself to advocate for the Ohio Department of Transportation to install protective and preventative fencing on all highway overpasses to prevent this from happening. On August 6, 2016, Randy Budd sent his last text to government officials, saying, Please, get the fence issue settled. Two and a half hours after sending the text, Randy Budd died from a self-inflicted gun wound to the head. All four of the teenage boys were charged with aggravated assault, conspiracy, reckless endangerment, propelling missiles into a vehicle, agricultural vandalism, and possession of instruments of crime. Union County District Attorney Johnson said, Randy Budd did not die from a gunshot. He died when those kids threw a rock through his windshield. That's it for this episode of 911 Calls with Cole. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I hope you consider the unintended consequences of your actions, and I hope you are lucky enough to never have to endure an event such as this. Have some feedback? Feel free to tweet at me at Tales by Cole, or by visiting our Facebook group by searching Tales by Cole Podcast Discussion Group. Thanks for tuning in. Good night. Stay healthy, stay safe, and don't forget to lock the doors. 911. 911. Address of your emergency. Where's your emergency? Where's your emergency? Hey, creeps. Welcome to 911 Calls with Cole. Each episode, we will listen to a 911 call and explore the stories and crimes surrounding them. Now, before we get started, check the front door. Is it locked? Okay, good. Now you can relax and sit back as I tell you about Cody Ann Jackson. Cody Ann Jackson was a 20-year-old mother to a young daughter of two. Cody Ann and the father of her child had recently separated, leaving Cody Ann feeling vulnerable and angry. And in an act that at first seemed like a petty threat to take him to court over custody of their young daughter, Cody Ann texted him a photo of their daughter with this caption. Savor the last ever picture. Possibly see you in court. She then added, just thought you deserved one last picture and memory of her. But what she had planned was far more malicious and far more terrible. On October 10th, 2016, only hours after Cody Ann sent the threatening photo and caption, Cody Ann from the UK's Stoke-on-Trent called 999, the British version of 911, to report the death of her daughter. 
Are you the patient? Look, my daughter, she's not breathing. She's not breathing? No. She's not breathing at all? No. What's the address of the emergency, please? And how old is your daughter? Two. Two years old? Yeah. Not breathing at all? No. Okay, help is being arranged. You need to stand the telephone with me and listen very carefully. I'm going to tell you what to do to help, okay? I need you to lie flat on her back on the floor. Can you do that for me now? Um, ow! Oh you need to put you onto the floor for me, okay? I'm going to tell I you how to help. Every time I move, it hurts. Pardon? Every time I move, it hurts. Right, but we need to help your daughter if she's not breathing. You need to lay her flat on her back on the floor for me, please. Her two-year-old daughter, Macy, had stopped breathing. Cody Ann pleaded with emergency services to get there quickly, complaining about the pain when asked to perform CPR herself. Officers rushed to Cody Ann's home, and after unsuccessfully knocking a few times, they were forced to break in the door. Upon entry, police saw the two-year-old on the bedroom floor, while Cody Ann was above her, attempting CPR. Cody Ann herself had superficial chest, wrist, and neck injuries. But upon entering the home and calling for an ambulance, police began to poke around, finding the scene and the call altogether a little suspicious. One police officer found what appeared to be a suicide note, and in it, Cody Ann suggested she planned to kill her daughter and then herself. One line read, There's nothing for me or Macy. But what happened? Had she been halfway through her murder-suicide and lost her nerve? Or had someone interrupted them and murdered Macy and assaulted Cody Ann? It didn't take police long to whittle down the feeble attempt Cody Ann was putting up to avoid questioning, and ultimately she admitted to murdering her own daughter. It was believed by investigators that Cody Ann had suffocated Macy, but not right before she called 999 but several hours before, leaving her daughter dead on the floor as she came to the conclusion she wasn't going to kill herself as well. But why all of a sudden the suicidal ideation? Why kill her own daughter? Well, a week before Cody Ann suffocated Macy, Cody Ann's boyfriend and Macy's father, Paul Hogan, had broken up with Cody Ann, leaving her confused, furious, and heartbroken. Investigators believed that murdering her daughter had been a terrible and brutal act of revenge. Cody Ann was charged with murder. Initially, Cody Ann pled not guilty. But as the trial took place, perhaps the defense saw the futility in her not guilty plea, or perhaps she had a come to Jesus moment. But partway through her trial, she surprisingly changed her plea to guilty and Cody Ann was sentenced to life in prison by the Stafford Crown Court. Judge Michael Chambers addressed the young murderess in the closing statements, staring her dead in the eyes, and said to her, You have had the courage to plead guilty and recognize the enormity of what you have done. I accept that may not have come easy, but this remains a very serious case for a mother to kill her own child.
who depends on her for protection above all others, is a wicked and appalling act. This is not a case where you suffered from mental illness. The clear inference is that you thought about killing yourself and decided to kill Macy as well to prevent her having a life without a mother. That was an expression of utter self-absorption. That's it for this episode of 911 Calls with Cole. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I hope you never find yourself like Cody Ann, considering revenge. And I hope you are lucky enough to never have someone enact revenge on you. Have some feedback? Feel free to tweet at me at Tales by Cole on Twitter, or by visiting our Facebook group by searching Tales by Cole Podcast Discussion Group. Thanks for tuning in. Good night, stay healthy, stay safe, and don't forget to lock the doors. <laughs>